Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today is Thursday, May 4th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 512 features Heavy.com NBA insider Sean Devaney. And I'm Evan Valenti, and this show is powered by FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. What's up, everybody? New Celtics beat. Adam Kaufman, Sean Devaney's here. We don't have Evan Valenti, but I promise we will for the next one. This show now coming at you twice a week during the postseason, maybe even beyond, thanks to our great sponsors. But we are thrilled to have you here, especially because this could have been a very, very, very negative and depressing show if somehow, some way, the Celtics went down 0-2 to the Sixers in Joel Embiid's return at the Garden, having to go back to Philadelphia and all of that. But instead... Just last night, depending on when you're listening to this, but in real time last night, the Seas went out, blue doors, think they beat Philadelphia, I'm not great at math, but it was like 75-point win, roughly. They absolutely (laughs) clobbered them, especially in the second half, and so we get to focus on that, and what happens moving forward is this now becomes a best-of-five second-round set. Maybe we'll even bounce around the rest of the league, see what's going on. So uh, thank you, the listener, the viewer, to being with us, and uh, thank you, Sean, for being here as well. You know, in our intro to the show, I... I, I slid in, uh, real quick, sort of as I'm, as I was reading it, I, I, I slid in, you know, the show features heavy.com NBA insider Sean Devney because I almost said I had written down, I was going to say features heavy NBA insider Sean Devney because you do, you do, you know, work for heavy, but it, it just, it, it didn't, it didn't hit right. It didn't sound right. I didn't, I didn't. And, and I have put on a few pounds, so I wouldn't, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be that offended. So it's good. It's good. It's good to see you. How are you? I'm doing well, Adam. Thanks for having me. Of course. You enjoying the playoffs so far before we really get Yeah, I mean, it's been – what a great playoffs this has been. I mean, this has been sort of uh, the Adam Silver dream, you know, where you get get the smaller markets uh, in there. You get lower seeds, uh, you know, doing some damage. You don't know the outcomes of the first round. Uh, and you know, that's, that's really what this is all about. Uh, you know, if you can have uh, an eight seed, uh, win, if you can have a, a, a seven seed win, and we've seen that in both conferences. I mean, this is, this is, this is exciting. This is a lot more fun than usually, uh, you know, that, that sort of, uh, almost pre-predicted, uh, uh, first round that we usually have. Uh, this has been fun. So if I had, told you or 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 moreover if somebody had said to me going into game two 
Hey, uh, so Jason Tatum is going to have seven points. He's going to have a tough shooting night. He's not even going to play 20 minutes. Uh, the assists are going to be down. Rebounds will be, you know, under the prop, only at seven. Uh, and the Celts are going to go out and win this thing going away by 30-plus points. I My reaction probably would have been, okay, let me pass you another one. Like, sure. Yeah. That's, that's exactly. Yeah. And, oh, and by the way, Joel Embiid's back in this game. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly how yeah. this thing is going to play out. What was it to you? Because uh, another Sean, Sean Grandy, good friend of the show. I was looking at his Twitter, and he had put out last night, not brain surgery, game one, three-point shooting, Boston 10 of 26, Philadelphia 17 of 38. Game two, three-point shooting, Boston 20 of 51, Philadelphia 6 of 30. Now, I know where he's going with that. You know, I, I know what the raw numbers say, but watching the game, I, I I really feel like, especially in the second half, it was it was really much deeper than that because what that tweet doesn't at least specifically acknowledge, maybe it implies it to some degree, but like that sort of says like make miss league. To me, though, watching the game, the Celtics just elected to actually play defense this time as yeah, opposed to right. game one, and it made a big difference. Yeah, yeah, they, they they played much more like themselves. They looked like the Celtics team that we saw going back to October and November uh, that, uh, you know, was an offensive juggernaut, but but really got it started with their defense. Uh, you know, picking them up at half court, even before half court, uh, a lot of times, uh, putting that much pressure on James Harden. Uh, the Celtics have probably, you know, maybe Denver's the only other team uh, that has as much depth as the Celtics, like quality depth when you get mm-hmm. into uh, six, seven, eight uh, in terms of the rotation. And, you know, that allows you, that should allow you at this time of year uh, to throw bodies out there and, and play pressure defense for 48 minutes. Uh, and the Celtics finally did that. They did not do that in game one, um, you, you know, and, and, and the times where they did it was, it was half-hearted. And you saw what James Harden did to that. <laughs> So I, you know, I, I really felt like this was a Celtics team that it started with the defense and then that morphed into, uh, you know, getting good open looks with those three pointers and taking 51 of them. Uh, but that's, that's got to start with the defense. I think that that allows you to, uh, to go ahead and, and move the ball and jack up those, uh, uh, those open threes. Uh, but that's not going to, you know, if you're, if you're grinding through, your offense and, and, and you're only half hearted on defense, then, uh, it doesn't, it, it looks like game one. And, and, you know, the, the, the Sixers took advantage of that, uh, and the Celtics, they weren't quite themselves in that game. I really appreciated, and this is not a, uh, going to be the, the best of impressions, but I really appreciated Joe Missoula at the end of last night and, and his podium appearance. I'm sure you saw it, obviously, where, you know, he, uh, there was so much vitriol surrounding him coming out of game one and all of these fire Joe, because it's, that's how it works. Like Twitter fans, it's, it's all very reactionary and living in the moment. And, uh, you know, never mind the guy finishing third in the coach of the year vote or anything like that. But it was, it was all like they lost this game because of Joe Missoula and his coaching and lack of adjustments and yada, yada, yada. And then well, obviously we see what unfolded in game two and Missoula answers all of his questions and, He's done and and you get the PR anything else and Joe just deadpan as he often is looks out and so that's it nobody wants to ask about adjustments we went made from game one to game two and then just up and and leaves just up. <laughs> there's I I and, and so I appreciate the 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 sort of Bill Belichick level snark that is there and the like 
you know, you, you guys, what do you have for me now? Now, I think there's a happy medium. I don't think Joe is to blame in game one. I don't think Joe gets all the credit in game two. I think it's, it's a player's league. It's a player's, you know, but it, it comes down to the players, the performance and sort of echoing all of what you were just talking about. I, I just don't think strategically there were a ton of differences from game one to game two outside of again, defense and effort and and just being themselves as opposed to I think much like we saw against Atlanta multiple times especially that game when DeJounte Murray was out I think the Celtics walked into that Philly series and kind of took it for granted without Embiid there and paid for it versus last night they took things more seriously realized they had to win before going back to Philly and they cruised yeah it's it's frustrating you know I mean the Celtics have been like this all year right that that, you know, they're capable of beating anybody. They're capable of losing to anybody because they sort of just show up and punch in and, and don't really put in the effort night after night. Uh, you don't want to have that in the playoffs, but I think that this is a team that knows how good it is. Uh, and, and sometimes does expect that showing up is going to be enough to win the game. Uh, you can't really do that in the playoffs, obviously. Uh, it, you know, and for everything that went wrong, uh, uh, on Monday night in game one, they still probably should have won that game. I mean, they're up 12 yeah. points. Mm-hmm. Uh, they completely blew it down the stretch. It was a clutch game that they lost. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't something where they, they had their doors blown off. Uh, and I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's only natural. It's human, uh, to kind of take the easy way. And they took the easy way in game one. They did not put out the great defensive effort. Uh, they did not, uh, do what they had to do against James Harden. Uh, and, and, you know, you saw the results, uh, but they were still right there. And, and I think sometimes that this team knows that it can win that way. Uh, it can win the easy way. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was good to see in game two that they, that they came out and they did not take the easy way, uh, really start to finish. They really, they really put the screws to Philadelphia in that game. I think this game in a lot of ways was at least going in very unpredictable. Definitely, you know, for, for the betters out there. And I, and I was uh, heavily involved in that space going into the game and, and aspects during the game in terms of the live betting. I, I just found that to be an impossibly difficult game to bet in terms of player props. How's this going to play out because of the Joel Embiid factor? Now, I, I I was confident, not to the point of like betting the spread or something, but I was confident that the Celtics were going to win the game. I just couldn't envision a world in which they went down 0-2 to Philly. But sort of the real time of looking at Embiid and I I was I don't know about you I was shocked that he played in that game all the more so because of the fact that they were up one nothing I just figured Doc would look at it and say Embiid's not a hundred percent whatever percentage he is I don't know but he's not a hundred percent we already stole a game here worst case we're going home tied let's just get him a couple more days rest and I I assume that was going to be the approach instead he winds up playing defensively swallowed up the paint ton of blocks he was really sharp offensively he wasn't himself uh, but I think I, I don't typically give Charles Barkley a lot of credit when it comes to his takes, but something he said after that game, I, I think there's a lot of validity in, I'm curious as to your thought, which is, you know, playing Embiid in this hindsight's 2020, but playing Embiid may have been a mistake in that so many things for them that went right in game one, you just change. You change dramatically, and you completely took James Harden out of his game in game two. 
Yeah, and and you know, I think the Celtics were happy to see Joel Embiid, even if he had been a hundred percent. Uh, because one thing that's happened over the last, you know, seven, eight years is the Celtics have seen an awful lot of Joel Embiid and they know how to play against him. Uh, they know how to play against him when he's shooting well. They know how to play against him when he's dominating the paint uh, and they know how to win. I mean, you know, they, they know how to beat the Sixers with Joel Embiid. Uh, when you have a team that's got Paul Reed in there, who's a much different player and, uh, and, you know, was pretty effective, uh, in game one. Uh, you know, that's, they, they don't know how to play that team. And, 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 yeah. and that was, that was pretty apparent. I, I wondered, Adam, what, what did you make of, I don't know if you saw what Doc Rivers sort of explanation of all this was, but he basically said, uh, we knew it was going to take some, some rust, you know, that, that Joel and B was going to have some rust. We already had game one. So game two, we put him out there. He didn't play well, but now game three, you know, he's, he, he'll have the rust off because he hasn't played since April 20th. I, I, you know, I, I, I can understand that logic, and I think it's a smart thing to say after the game. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I mean, I have a hard time going into uh, any playoff game and saying uh, it's okay if we lose this as long as our star player loses some, uh, you know, loses some of that rust. I didn't know if you saw that uh, uh, that Doc used that uh, that explanation. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I think that then you're you're talking about a playoff game in a series that you're already you know, wildly, like by wild expectations expected to lose. Like most people looking at it and saying, this is going to be, at least going into the series, this is going to be a five-game series at worst. You know, some people, again, coming back to betting lines, even after Philly took game one, the most popular bet in terms of the series was still Celtics in five. Not Celtics in six, Celtics in seven, Celtics in five. Like that was the most favorable line was, you know, still the seas going out and winning the next four games. So I, you know, for, for Doc to, and, and, and Doc's a people person. He's a charmer. He knows how to handle the media. And obviously he's a player's coach. And, you know, it's one of the things that made him so renowned, so heralded during his time in Boston with, with the new big three era. But I, I think to approach that, to, to even say it, even if you don't believe it, to say that, you know, we were, as you said, you know, sort of not taking a game as seriously as we could have been and kind of okay with losing it just to get our guy prepared for the next guy uh, game. I, I just, I don't buy it. I, I don't buy it. I think when, when you are a, a vast underdog, you are going out and trying to steal games at all cost. And if Embiid has a little bit of rust in him in game three, but you happen to maybe be up to nothing, you're going to take that as opposed to, uh, unless Doc just had resigned himself to the fact that there's no way the Celtics are going to lose this game, no matter what yeah. we do. Right. Embiid, right. no Embiid, they are going to find a way. They are going to win this game because they ultimately just have more talent than us. Then maybe I guess you could talk yourself into some of that backwards logic, but I don't see it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I mean the the, the for me, if I'm a coach, whatever works so well in game one, I want to at least put that out there and yeah. force the Celtics to make their adjustments to it. And if they do, and, and obviously they had some plans and they did some things different, uh, then, then, then okay. Uh, but at least you got to force them to react to what works so well for you. You had a guy through 45 points. Uh, don't, don't take the ball out of his hands, uh, the next time around. And that, that, that seemed to me what they were doing. Uh, and I, I, I don't understand the logic. I, I mean, just keep going with what you've got, mm-hmm. uh, until it doesn't work anymore. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, that, 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 that didn't, uh, 
uh, that that was not the approach that the Sixers had. I didn't think I didn't think uh, uh, easy, easy to say in, in retrospect, of course, but I, I didn't think that it made much sense to have uh, uh, Embiid out there in that one. I'm curious what you thought watching this as as it was unfolding because and I I tweeted this out at one point. I felt like you know. So people were tweeting in, in the first half, like game one's an all-star game and game two's a rock fight. And I I didn't feel like at least the first, let's say, quarter of game one or first much of the first half of or, or game two, pardon me, first quarter of game two or much of the first half of game two. I didn't watch that and feel like this is just this defensive showdown. I thought there were a lot of uh open looks that players were just missing it was rimming out you know like the score could have been a lot higher it's just you know that's when you get back to that whole make miss league thing I thought there was just there was just a lot of missed shots you want to attribute some of that to defense fine but I thought the defense was a lot stronger in the second half and as I'm watching that first half what my comment what my thought was the Celtics just looked like they were trying too hard you know, there was no fluidity, no continuity. The C's were, you know, it was a tight game at that point, more or less. The, you know, the C's are are looking so carefully for the perfect shot. Malcolm Brogdon, who obviously wound up going off in the second half and, and still I think had 10 or 12 in the first half, but really went off in the second half. It, he just, he looked like he was running in, in, in mud at points. He, he just, he, you know, he's missing layups, but hitting his floaters as he tends to do. But even, you know, he'd drive the paint and there were all these like, hesitations do I pass do I shoot it just it looked it looked very it just it looked uncomfortable like it, it didn't look like the C's had any comfort whatsoever offensively and again polar opposite in the second half but in the first half they just looked on edge is is how I felt yeah and I think the foul trouble for Tatum was 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 part of that you know that uh and this is something that we see from the Celtics a lot was is is when they get in those kinds of situations they tend to press uh, I think Jalen does it a lot. Um, you, you know, he, he, he kept them afloat, but at the same time, uh, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of forcing, uh, mm-hmm. of the action, uh, you know, trying to get into the paint against, uh, two guys when, when maybe, you know, moving the ball and getting it back is, is the way to go. Uh, I, I, I agree. I think, I think there was a lot of that in that, in that first half. Um, but the, the, the thing that, if the Celtics win this series and win a championship, I think it's going to be the quality of their depth that, that, that is going to be, uh, at least if not the major factor, it's going to be one of the top two or three, uh, major factors. And I think you saw that, you know, I think, I think that really showed up, uh, last night is, is just how deep this team is, uh, that you can pull, uh, you know, dust off Merritt Williams and have him go mm-hmm. four for eight from the three point line. Uh, you mentioned Brogdon and, and, and certainly what he did third quarter, uh, fourth quarter, um, you know, especially third quarter, uh, you know, what, what he did, uh, I mean, this is, this is going to be a difference for them, uh, that, uh, that, that, that they didn't really have last year. You know, they did not have a guy like Brogdon last year, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and it cost them, uh, but, but they've, they've got, uh, probably the best top seven, top eight, Absolutely. Uh, uh, certainly in the East, uh, if not, you know, you can maybe say Denver, but, 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 uh, uh, but, but, but they're right there. And, and, you know, that's, that's going to, and, and I think you really saw that last night. That was a huge difference for them. Well, to your point, a, a really pleasant surprise for me, uh, because I, I just, 
generally we don't see it. I haven't gone through like the game log of, of the whole season, so I can't tell you how many times it's happened, but I know that it's rare just in watching this team. And much of it is attributed to the fact that Tatum only played the 19 minutes in the foul trouble and had the off night in, in just about every way he could have. But the thing that, that I, I just really appreciated speaking to that depth is it's so rare that smart Brogdon and white all have a good game offensively yeah. in the same game. You know, usually, you know, it's, there's always one. Typically, there's two. Almost never all three. And it took yeah. White a while to get going. He did it in the second half. But it was just, that's one of those sort of confidence-building things, whether for a fan or even in the, inside that locker room, maybe, to where, you know, you can say, all right, we we know we have this depth, but we're reminded that, you know, if if, if Tatum goes out, has a bad game, doesn't even crack 10 points, let alone 20, or or a season average of 30, doesn't even have 10, and we can still go out and wipe the floor with a team in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, Smart was great in the first half, and and, and it really just kind of flowed from one guy to the other. Uh, yeah, that was that was a big factor, and, you know, and, and, and I think that it's, it, it's, it's interesting because it does lead the Celtics – if there's something that I still am not sure about with this team, uh, it is how, how you organize that depth, uh, especially at the end of games. You know, that's, that's, that's still something that to me, uh, is, is, you know, is, is Missoula going to, I guess he has to at this point. No, <laughs> he's not going to settle on a closing lineup at this point. You know, it, it does still seem to be a, a feel thing, um, you know. But do, does he have to? Not, does he have to have a, a well, quote unquote closing five, or can it? Be I so- mean, we're, we're going to find out because, like I say, you know, it's it's May, so he can't. You know, he's going to have it's going to be by feel at this point. There isn't necessarily a settled uh, a settled thing, uh, and it's you know they are at this point, and it's only five games, but they're two and three. Uh, in uh, in clutch games, what the NBA defines as clutch games. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at the numbers, 138 is their defensive rating. Again, it's only five games, so the numbers get a little skewed. But yeah. but but they've not defended well uh, down the stretch. We saw that in game one. Uh, so I, I I think that that you know as much as as their depth is is definitely going to be a bonus for them. That's the one thing that you know what what do they do? You know if you're playing. The Lakers or Golden State in uh, in the finals or Denver uh, uh, in the NBA finals. You know what? How do you close out games? Uh, and does the fact that you're kind of making those decisions on a game to game basis uh, is that is that going to benefit you or hurt you? I don't know. I you know I mean most successful teams do have sort of their closing lineup uh, and they have a certain feel and they have a certain uh, uh, knowledge of each other and, and the and the Celtics that they've not really done that all year. And so I just, I, I want, that's the one thing that is still a little bit of a red flag for me. I, I don't know. You, you sound like you don't think that that's a, a much of a problem for him. Well, I think it just sort of depends. You know, I, I don't think you need to have a quote unquote closing five. I, I do think that uh, the, the depth is there to the point where you can sort of go on field. The only thing I guess I would question is, uh, does and and I I I ask this because there have been very reasonable times to question it in be it against Atlanta, maybe even against Philly in Game One and certainly late in the regular season. Does Joe have that feel yet? You know he is a rookie head coach. He is going through this for the first time. He knows his guys better than anybody. Like I, I you know, but there are absolutely times 
that you sit there on the couch as a viewer in the building and say, why the hell is, is Malcolm Brogdon in this game when you need defense and not Derek White? Or right. why, you know, whatever it may be, uh, you know, why are they going double big? Should they be going small? And so, uh, you know, I, I do think a lot of it obviously is matchup dependent, which is why I, I say you don't need to have the, you know, it's always going to be these five out there at the end. But I think Joe is still not only like proving to us, the the viewer, but proving to himself that he he has a feel for all of all of this when he has to, you know, it's that that's sort of the detriment of a, a game like game two. I think it was good for confidence and good to, you know, go into game three in Philly on a high and, and respond the way they did to game one and, and certainly limit guys minutes so that you're fresher on Friday night. You know, no one played above 30 minutes and Tatum wasn't even at 20. And so that's all wonderful, but the benefits of, of a, a closer game, not, not even tight, not like, you know, yeah. like clutch, like you're talking about those, those clutch situations in the final five minutes within five points, like maybe just a game that's, that's like a 10 to 15 point game as opposed to a, right, right. a 40 point game. That's the benefit of still trying to, you know, monitor some of that stuff on the fly that you don't get when you're putting out the, you know, human victory cigar, Justin Champagne in at the end of the game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and and you know the thing about about Missoula and the situation that he's in, and it's not a bad situation. I don't want to make it sound like that. Is that he's got he's got probably more options at the end of games uh, than 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 any other coach because mm-hmm. not only is it you know do you have Brogdon or White, but it's also you know do you have Rob Williams in there or or do you just go with Horford? Yeah. Uh, you know, so he's got. And there are times you, there are times against Philly you might want Grant out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so, that's, that's, you true. know, so yeah. you got, you got one through eight and you got to pick five. Yeah. 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 So he's got, he's got decisions to make uh, every game. And, you know, going back to your, your point about, about Twitter and game one that, yeah, I mean, that's going to, there's all, no matter what he does, there's going to be something that you can question him on. And, and uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to get questioned on it. Uh, it's, it's sort of become uh, uh, a running thing with him, it seems. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Well, and, and any coach, right? Like there were, yeah, even by yeah. the end, there were, there were still people that were on the fire Eme bandwagon and he had, you know, had the turnaround that he had and they played as incredible as they did after, you know, mid January and everything. Yeah. Like, so yeah. it's, yeah. you know, the, the, there are just people that always want to blame the coach and always think they True. can do better True. and all of that. You've brought up the finals multiple times. Are you of the belief? It sounds like you are. And I know you wouldn't be alone in this category. Are you of the belief that whoever wins this series is representing the East in the finals? 
Yeah, yeah, and you know, I mean, Miami, uh, you know, boy, what what they've done <laughs> just to be alive at this point, yeah. uh, let alone you know one to one in that series and and having an advantage in that series. Uh, but you know, the injuries that they, I mean, they're missing Tyler Hero, uh, they're missing uh, Jimmy Butler in, in in game two there, uh, and still probably should have won that game. Hmm. Um, you know, it, it's unbelievable. It's, you know, at, at this point, um, if anybody was still questioning uh, whether Eric Spolster is the best coach in the league, I, I don't see how you can, uh, I don't see how you could possibly still question that. I mean, what, what he gets out of those guys, it's, it's just unbelievable. Uh, so, you know, having said all that, uh, just talent wise, you know, what Philadelphia has and, and what the Celtics have should blow away anything that the Knicks or, or, or he could put up there. So, so yeah, there's, there's, there's little doubt in my mind that whoever wins this series uh, is going to represent the East. However, let me say this, Adam, it was little doubt in my mind that Milwaukee was going to beat Miami too. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll frame it this way. Uh, players and everyone inside that building, nobody can take the Sixers for granted. That's our job you know, as, as fans or people in the media, because I am still under the belief that the seas will go out and take this thing at worst in six games. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm not, and, and that's not recency bias. I felt that way after game one, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm not worried about Philly as a matchup. And I think, as you said, even for some weird reason, you're almost more confident when Embiid is on the floor than when he's not. So I'm, I am, and and hopefully I, I'm not eating these words. I, I would have told you I was confident the Bruins beating the Panthers too, not yeah. as overly and uh, you know arrogant about it. I thought that was going to be a series, and and I wouldn't have been shocked by a Panthers win. Surprised, not shocked, because they played them well during the regular season. The Sixers have not played the Celtics well in years, so I am right. not you know concerned about this, and and I hope that you know bears itself out. But I say all of that to say this. If we, you and I, are looking ahead, or fans are looking ahead, what you were just talking about with the Knicks and Heat, other than I guess just hoping for a seven-game rock fight, are should should we have a preference in terms of? Oh, the Celtics. I mean, you don't, you you never want to see the Heat. I mean, the Heat were outmatched by the Celtics last year. Playoff and, Jimmy Butler, know, and, and there and there was yeah, there was a Jimmy Butler three. If that goes in. You know, I, I mean, yeah. that, that, yeah, I, I, I'll take the heat. Uh, I, I, I'd rather not face the heat if I'm the Celtics, uh, by, by any stretch. It just, they, they have a way. Uh, you know, Gabe Vincent can go off, uh, for five, you know, five for seven from three point line and, uh, you know, Caleb Martin. They, you know, they just pull these guys out and, and yeah, I don't, I do not, I would not want to see the heat. Uh, so if you're a Celtics fan, I'd, I'd, I'd have a, uh, uh, a Knicks cap, uh, as I'm watching that game. No question. I don't need to see a 30 point Max Struess game in the conference finals. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but it's possible. That's the yeah. thing is it's possible. And, and, you know, look, if everything works out right, uh, you know, would anybody be that surprised by a Lakers Celtics final? This, it would be the most. It'd be the most convoluted way to wind up that, that we've ever seen of all the times the Celtics have played the yeah. Lakers in the finals. Uh, you'd never see anything so convoluted as, 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 as that. Uh, but, uh, but man, that's a real possibility to start looking at it. And, you know, I, I, I tweeted this out the other day and maybe it was even yesterday and the immediate responses were like, Hey, can we beat Philly first? <laughs> but, but my, but my tweet was, 
you know, because I, I think Mannix, because Mannix is, there's, especially for a Boston guy, there's no bigger Lakers fan right now than Chris Mannix because Mannix has been saying for months, like, watch out for the Lakers. And a lot of people didn't take him seriously. And so they go out and they do what they do in game one against the Warriors. And it's, you know, I, I told you, watch out for the Lakers. And I quote tweeted that. And I said, uh, you know, I, I can't think of anything better than the Celtics going out and beating the Lakers for Banner 18 to snap their, you know, 17 championship tie that that Lakers fans exist. And for those not watching, just listening, quote fingers on the tie because, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the Lakers as an organization have been having trouble for years trying to decide whether or not Minneapolis counts in their in their history. And and until they until it lifted them to 17 titles to tie them with the Celtics, that's when it finally mattered. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, when did they finally even retire George Mikan's number? You know, it took, it took them way too long to acknowledge Minneapolis as part of their history frauds that they are so this is uh yeah i mean i can't think of anything sweeter than doing that against la doing that against lebron breaking the tie i mean like wick grossbeck would be like he 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 may die in his seat uh out of of (laughs) joy i i can't i can't think of anything that would be more just poetic in celtics history than something like that but as the people listeners tweeters whoever will be quick to say can we just beat Philly first? Can we can we even win the conference finals first? Can we get to the finals first? What is your view of the West? Because obviously, uh, you know, the, the Lakers, I still don't know how I feel about them against Golden State, even though they took game one. And uh, the Nuggets are doing everything people have been asking them to do for years that they have not been able to do because they weren't healthy enough to do it. And there yep. were a lot of people that were putting the Suns as, you know, like the Suns are going to be the team that's in the NBA finals in the West and they are down 0-2 to Denver and, and, you know, getting handled. So what, uh, you know, what, what do you think of what's going on in that conference right now? Yeah. And, and, you know, Denver, I have mentioned them a couple of times because, you know, you watch them and, and what, what Phoenix has tried to do uh, again is, is, you know, obviously they, they, they you try to deal with Jokic first and then you got to deal with Jamal Murray, and 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 Phoenix has been trying to do that, and has put put a lot of uh, uh, attention on those two guys. And then you've got Aaron Gordon. You know, and people forget. Look, Aaron Gordon was a was a twenty point per game scorer in Orlando. He's yeah. gone to Denver to become you know sort of like this defensive guy, uh, you know, a glue guy, very good passer, does a lot of things, but he can still score. And and Phoenix has left him wide open. Uh, you know, he can knock down sixteen footers, he can knock down threes, he can get to the rim. Very athletic guy, uh, and he's been such a huge key for them. Uh, and Michael Porter hasn't played that well. You know, if he starts hitting threes, which uh, uh, which he will do, uh, you know, you're talking about four guys who are capable of putting you know you know 25 points at, on any given night. Uh, and 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 that quality of depth is 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 going to be tough for anybody to match. Denver, the the second half of the season, they were a bit like the Celtics in that. They were just sort of waiting for the playoffs to start, and and so they didn't look impressive uh, in the second half of the season. Uh, but uh, but but once the playoffs has got have gotten rolling, you've seen the depth, and then you got you know Contavious Caldwell Pope is such a great role player. Bruce Brown, great role player. I mean, they've got great role players on that team as well. So Denver, man, they're 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 tough. As, as much fun as it might be to see the Lakers uh, and the Celtics in the finals, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the Lakers can get past Denver. Not not if Denver can stay healthy, which has been, as you mentioned, their their big question mark. Been a big question mark for the Lakers, of course, too. 
Would the Nuggets be a, a, a scarier matchup, you know, given that depth that you outlined? And obviously, you know, Jokic is Jokic. And as good as Davis is, as great as, you know, LeBron just can always turn it up and all that. There's just Jokic is is such a unicorn, obviously, in what he brings to the floor and what he's capable of doing. And, and also just one of my favorite players in the league and one of the best players to watch and all of that. Like I, I love the guy. I'd have trouble... To, you know, I'd have trouble rooting against him. Wouldn't have trouble, you know, when it's the Celtics going against him. But he's a hard guy to root against because he is just yeah. so much fun to watch. Is Denver the scariest possible matchup if if we were to get really greedy and project ahead? Yeah, I think so. You know, the way the Lakers are uh, can win is through defense. Uh, they've been the best defensive team in the league since they made those trades uh, in February. Um, you know, they have a certain toughness about them. No question, they have uh, the offensive weapons with LeBron and Anthony Davis and 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 now D'Angelo Russell as well. Uh, but the Celtics can handle that. You know, you look at those matchups, and the Celtics can handle tough defense. They can play better defense than the Lakers uh, if need be. Uh, and and you know, obviously, you know how to handle LeBron. You know, to an extent, obviously, as much as you can. Uh, and Anthony Davis, same way. You kind of know what you're dealing with. The, the Nuggets are just they're, – they're different because they can come at you in so many different ways, like I mentioned. Uh, and, you know, it's 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 holding the water balloon, right? You, you squeeze one end and, and the other end's going to uh, gonna uh, inflate. And, and mm-hmm. that's that's the problem with them. And I think uh, uh, I think that's a much tougher matchup for Boston. Um, you know, I think that, that the Celtics could, could match up pretty well with the Lakers team uh, in the finals. I don't think they could match up with Denver. So as we look ahead to game three Friday night between the Celtics and Sixers, because again, as much fun as the future conversation is, Boston does need to win this series and it yeah. is best of five right now. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, we can get ourselves carried away a little bit and it's probably aggravating the listener at the moment. That's okay. You know, some of you guys are doing it too. I promise. I know you are. <laughs> you're letting your mind wander to the future because you think Philly is, is what Philly has been for years in matchups with the Celtics as well. It's not just us, but the Celtics. In game one, I want to say we're eight, nine, ten point favorites going in. Of course, they lost. Game two bounced all around because the Embiid news, but it was always between seven and a half and ten. Game three, at least, uh, I haven't looked at today, but what it opened at last night was the Celtics only one and a half point favorites in Philly. Now, there's respect there to it being on the road. There's respect to Doc, you know, shaking off the rust for Embiid, but. What is your view of game three? Like, are the Celtics going to go out and not dominate probably the way they did in game two, but go out and win this thing rather convincingly, or do you expect a tough game? Yeah, you know, I expect them to go out and 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 look much more like they did in game one. Uh, I'm sorry, in game two. Uh, you know, playing that level of defense, uh, uh, you know, being on the road, you know, having to focus that way. Uh, the thing is, when they get their, you know, 12 to 14 point lead in the second half, do they let up? And, and that's what we've seen time and time again. Uh, do they let up and, 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 and can they bounce back and, and, and hold a lead on the road? Um, uh, or, or, you know, when it lead gets down to six and, and gets in that danger zone, can they push it back? Which is what they did a lot last year. If you think back, uh, you know, they blew a lot of leads. They got down a lot last year. Uh, they haven't done that as much this year. Uh, but, but, you know, they also, they, when they lose leads, they tend to, that's it. They, they, they mm-hmm. tend to lose the game. So, um, you know, I think that, that, that responding to that, that's, that's going to be the big, the big question mark for me. I think that this is, I, I think they'll have 
a pretty good size lead in the second half. It's just a matter of, uh, uh, you know, what are they going to do to protect that lead? Uh, can they put some of the problems that they've had uh, really in the second half of the year and certainly in the playoffs, uh, you know, finishing out games, uh, you know, it, it, can they put that aside and, and, and really close out a team under the pressure uh, of being on the road and, and really needing a win there? That leads me to this. We've asked this question, Sean, so many times with this team. Asked it against Atlanta, asked it during the regular season, asked it last year in the postseason and during the regular season. And the year before that, this is there's a pattern here for this team with with many of these core players. Was game one a wake up call? Did game one serve as a not, not a turning point like, oh, this team's never going to lose again. But in terms of seemingly from the outside, not taking an opponent seriously enough. You know, again, they, they said all the right things after losing to Atlanta at, you know, when yeah. that happened and then they go right. out and do it in game one against Philly. So did it serve as a wake up call? Do you think? Hence the game two reaction. That's easy for us to say in hindsight. Or is this just the way game one played out and game two played out and game three and, and so on are just unpredictable? Yeah. You know, I mean, look, and, and, you know, again, as you said, we, we, we've said this about this team a lot. You know, we're in the, we're in the conference semifinals. You shouldn't need a wake up call. You know, the, the wake up call should start with the opening of game one. Like that's it. You're, you're in it now. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know that you can say that this is still a team that, uh, does struggle with its own success at times. I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. Um, you know, I, 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 I have a hard time placing my finger on exactly why, uh, but they get into, uh, you know, the lack of ball movement. They get into, uh, guys trying to win the game themselves. And, and that, that happens over and over and over with this team. And it's happened enough over a long enough period that you say it's not going to change. So, you know, I, I think each game is, is a game unto itself. So if game one was a wake up call, doesn't mean they won't need a wake up call in game three. You know, I mean, it's, it's, that's, that's, that's the way that this team is. Uh, and it, it could be frustrating, but it's also, it's, it's a result of how much talent they have and, and how good they are. Uh, so, you know, it's a, it's a double edged sword, uh, in that, uh, uh, in that sense. All right. Well, he is not heavy, but he is from heavy. Sean <laughs> Devaney does great work over there. Make sure you check it out, obviously. And, uh, you know, he continues to uh, dominate and terrific coverage across the NBA, not just the Celtics. He will be on this program again with us in due time, uh, certainly during this playoff run, assuming that, you know, it extends beyond this round. But it had better. Otherwise, I might quit the show. Uh, I, I want to thank Evan Valenti, who is not here today, but he is producing the show still. And we will have another show for you this weekend as the series moves along. And hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. We're talking about a, uh, a C's advantage in this series and, and even a comfortable one because this is someone right here who uh, bet the C's rather heavily to win minus one and a half games in the series. So I uh, need this thing at worst to end season six. Uh, thank you all for being out here. Rate, review, subscribe, find us wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, on YouTube, on the CLNS media page. Sean, thank you very much. Thank you. All right. For Sean, for Evan, I'm Adam Kaufman. This is Celtics Beat Game 3, Friday night in Philadelphia.